Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, New International Version, and Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. We speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every dis-ease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. John 4 verse 35 says the harvest is ready. But the workers, the laborers are few. So ask, pray, plead to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden light I want to speak to you on the subject give and take give and take give and take last year our, our, our theme was the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. And this year, our theme is the arrest. The arrest. And um, funny thing is, as those of you who who are sports fans, for that is fan short for fanatics, uh, you may realize that our hockey team, the Boston Bruins, are in the Stanley Cup finals. And, and, yeah. and then there's some of you who have no clue and could care less. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the one thing we, we may not understand about hockey is that hockey is probably one of the only sports, whereas uh, basketball, which many of us are familiar with, has a halftime, and soccer has a halftime, which simply means that that halfway through the game, both teams get to leave the field and get a break. Uh, whereas hockey has three periods, which means that uh, there are, you know, 
two times where they actually can leave the, the um, ice rink and take a break. And I say that because as I was looking at, you know, you go through, we went through Easter, and as we head into May, uh, we're heading into the second third of this year, 2019, and I, I really had to ask myself this question, because uh, we have these themes, and uh, you know, hopefully the Lord leads me to um, get these themes as opposed to just like putting them up there just to say we had a theme. And so I asked myself the question. I had to really be honest with myself, and I said, you know, this is May, and this is the year of rest, and I had to ask myself, have I really gotten rest? And if I had to answer honestly, this has been the most restless year of my pastorate. So I had to ask myself, why after four months, going on five, I still haven't gotten rest? And what adjustments do I need to make as I head into June? which is halftime. Ask the person next to you, have you gotten your rest yet? Okay, okay, okay. okay. Now answer them, answer them, answer them, answer This is not a rhetorical question. Yeah. I, I see guilt and conviction just moving up and down the aisles and in between the pews. Because yeah. some of you, some of you, you're sitting relaxed on the outside, but you're restless in your hearts. So the, the Lord said, well, why don't you look at the context of what's going on in chapter 11 because of these verses are the last three verses coming to me. So as I read those verses, then I was like, whoa, this isn't really answering much. And then I said, well, read chapter 10 read chapter 10, and I was like, ooh, that's not answering much either. And then I went to chapter 9, and I realized, oh, my goodness, that was a theme from last year. So as I was reading chapter 9, I noticed a few things in chapter 9. Uh, Jesus starts out by um, healing uh, a paralyzed man. Uh, some of you know the story how uh, his four friends came uh, to where Jesus was and tore a roof, tore a hole in the roof and laid him down and and he got healed. Um, and I, I noticed that there was a bunch of healings from the woman with the issue of blood to the 12-year-old daughter who died uh, and Jesus went and raised him up again to blind, to blind men following Jesus saying, could he heal me? to a demon-possessed man who, through his being demon-possessed, he couldn't speak, and the demon had to cast, cast out and could speak. And then Jesus starts going into all these towns, and he's healing people and, and, and bringing deliverance and speaking the good news of the kingdom. And he's, and he's realizing that, man, there, there are a lot of people who are hurting, who are broken, who are... Who, who need help, and 
he's realizing, I can't do this alone. And as, as people's lives are being changed, he, he gets to chapter, verse 28 of, of chapter 9, and, and, he, uh, and he starts realizing of verse 35 of 9, and he, and he realizes as he looks over the crowd of people who are trying to get to him and get healed, he realizes, man, this harvest is ready uh, but the the labors are few and he says the solution is not to try to recruit more workers the first solution is to pray to the Lord that he sends more workers tell the person next to you you need to pray to the Lord So as I was pondering my own life, why am I restless and what do I need to do to make some first period adjustments? I realized I heard the answer last week through the four incredible women who preached last week. Amen. Amen. Let's just give them a wonderful hand. They did an excellent job. Sister Deborah, Sister Deidre. Tao and uh, Sister Shana and Sister Jessica. They talked about community. And the Lord told me this. Never saw this before. He said, there can be no harvest without community. You will not harvest all that God has for you without community. Harvest simply means to get your results. To get all of the fruit that God has for you. How many of you been apple picking? Okay. And you know that not all of the apples will get picked. And some of the fruit, apples will just fall to the ground and rot. And my fear is for my own life is that if I don't get enough community around me, then the harvest that God has, not simply for this church, but for my own personal life, will fall to the ground and rot. And one of the sad things that's going to happen is we'll get to heaven and say, God, you said you're going to do all this, and he's going to show us all the rotten fruit, all the things he had for us that was just as we like to say, low-hanging fruit, but we didn't have enough community around us to take hold of what we couldn't take hold of for ourselves. Ask the person next to you, who's your community? No answer, that's rhetorical. Because some of you think you have community, but you don't. You have fake community. You have people around you that you call community, but they really are not community. Mm. They're cardboard community. No, you know, cardboard community, like like when you go to an event, say there's Barack Obama, or actually my wife went to an event with uh, 
um, Michelle Obama, and they took a picture with Michelle Obama, but it was a cardboard. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> you know, better a cardboard than nothing at all. But some of us, we have, we have cardboard community around us. People who we say nothing to and who say nothing to us, but they're window dressing. So all of our fruit is falling to the ground because we have no community. And you see, what's the fruit? The fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, goodness, temperance. And you may say, well, why don't I have that fruit? Well, I like what China Cleveland once says, and that is you, you learn in isolation, but you can only grow in community. I'll say that again. You learn in isolation but you can only grow a community. I can learn about sharing by reading the definitions in the Bible, definitions in the dictionary, reading books on sharing, but I really don't learn and grow in my sharing until I get married, until I have brothers and sisters. Can I get away? And some of you all have brothers and sisters, and you, you know, yeah, yeah, someone said seven of them, yeah. And somehow... You learn about your you 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 learn about yourself, and, and sometimes you, you you will discover even when you get married you will discover because uh, because you say things like oh I love you baby and and you give them this expensive ring and you take them to these nice restaurants and then something happens when you get married all of a sudden you realize how selfish you are. Just look straight up. Everybody quiet now. You have one television, and this is before devices, okay? And, and you know that, wow, you know, the, 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 my favorite, you know, this is Sunday, and from September to, this, to, to January, uh, I, you know, it is, it is football season, and so you need to understand <laughs> and that's when I find out how self-centered I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You find out how self-centered you are, how selfish you are when you know you, mm, 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 mm. you know, when you, when you, uh, mm, mm. yes, Lord, well, I feel the Holy Spirit now. Uh, 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 when you, when you, when you go and pour a bowl of your favorite cereal, And there's only enough milk left for a bowl. Okay, this is confession time. And how many of you, rather than just use all the milk, <laughs> you leave enough milk in the carton not to feel guilty? But you know, that milk couldn't even cool a cup of cocoa. Any guilty if I raise your hand? Confession is good for the soul. Confession is good for the soul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, you're raising the... <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's... If, if we would be honest, 
That is selfish. I want to talk about four things that community provides. Why we need community. Every message last week was talking about community. Community is not an option. I think some of us think it's an option. It is not an option. You know why? As I said last week, God himself is a community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus himself had a community. Jesus himself had a small group. Peter, James, and John. So if, if, if Jesus needed a small group, what about you? Mm. There are four things a small group or a community provides. And yes, I am making a, a unapologetic endorsement for small groups and being involved in ministry because you need community. Um, I, I want to just do this. And they, they didn't even know I was going to do this, but I was really pondering this. Um, everybody who was in the who's in who's in the marriage ministry leadership, could you please stand? Everybody's in marriage ministry leadership. Could you please stand? Okay. Okay. And there's some others who are missing. Okay. And um, let me ask you, well, th- you all are kind of the newbies, right? Okay. So how, how many years have you been? Three and a half years. Okay. Thank you. But you all are the veterans. Uh, so how many years? Yeah. Yeah. Ten. Ten. Thank you. Thank you. Let's, let's give them a hand. Hey. The reason why our marriage retreats are amazing is because they work as a small group on one book over an entire year. And so over 10 years, there's a lot of things that they had to let known and be known. A lot of painful things that they had to walk through. And there are some who don't, there are some in the group, because there's about 10 of them, who don't have time to be a part of the group anymore because life has changed. And yet, they are killing themselves to stay in the group because the community has been a support to them and each other in hard times. That saying is true. A friend in need is a friend indeed. There's four things that a community provides. It provides a treasure. It provides talent. It provides uh, time. And it provides talk. Treasure, talent, time, and talk. Treasure. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, the Passion Translation says, Your heart will always pursue what you value 
as treasure. And then sometimes when you're in a a jam or 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 you you need somebody to invest in you and community will do that. Nobody has gotten where they are on their own. Whether your community is your family or your community of people who are like family, someone has invested in you financially to get to to help you to get to where you are. Amen. Another thing that community provides is talent. Matthew chapter 25 verse 30 talks about the the servant who has been unprofitable because he hid his talent. I can't tell you how many times there 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 when when we were when the church was smaller uh-huh. and you know people weren't as I guess you say well off as they are now maybe they're not well off but when we were smaller sister Deb and Elder Nita whenever we were moving we would call the PT moving company who was the PT moving company me Elder Ken Elder Cameron we were the PT moving company uh, that's how we stayed in shape. You know? and everybody was helping each other move. Okay, And my point is, is that sometimes when I looked throughout the congregation, there were people who had certain talents that I said, can you help me? Ah, that's community. Of course, community is time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 2 says there are well, Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything. There's a time to plant, the time to harvest. Uh, in verse 3, there's a time to tear down, time to build up. Sometimes you just need people to give you their time. There, uh, there, there are times when I've, I've gone to the hospital to visit somebody, and they didn't need a word from the Lord. They didn't need my prayers. All they needed me to do was to just sit down with them and just be present. Some of you, you keep looking at what am I going to say, what am I going to do, and sometimes people just need you to be present. Sometimes people just need you not to give advice, We need to sing that song, open the ears of my head, Lord. <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where I don't, I don't need scriptures, I don't need thus saith the Lord, I just need you to hear me. And then finally, in community, you need to have talk. What do you mean? This is the this is the one I think where we really going to get ourselves in trouble. The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter fourteen verse three that he that prophesies prophesies to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So my point is is that who speaks into your life 
comfort, meaning that encouragement. When, 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 you're feeling, when you're feeling like you're ready to jump, who in your life will call you up and say, don't jump? Has anybody ever been there before? And I'm not, not talking about, like, really suicidal, um, although there could be. But, but we all, at some point, need somebody to talk us out off the cliff. Am I talking to the right people here? You know, somebody who you're about to throw in the towel and they give a word of encouragement. Hang in there. Don't leave that job. Don't leave that marriage. Don't, don't, don't give up on your child. Whatever that thing is, they need a word of encouragement. And you can't get that if you're in isolation. And you may say, well, I, no, I don't have any you know, friends. There's nobody who connects with me. And the question is, do you at least put yourself in a crowd where there is a possibility that God will give you his connections? Now, here's the thing that's really challenging. Mm. I'll let you ask this question to your neighbor. And say, neighbor, who has veto power in your life? Who gets to tell you no? And you will listen. Some of the reasons why you're in trouble is because you have nobody who challenges you. No one who says, I'm just using this, you're wrong without you getting an attitude and I can't, I'm, no, I'm tough. Why? Because they hurt my feelings. How would you like to be Jesus? I mean, Peter. He comes with this revelation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in the next, in the next sentence, God, Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. How, do you, how would you like a friend like that? What you're saying is of the devil. Some of you, if someone said that to you, you would never come to this church again. It's quiet in this place. Nobody can correct you because you, your feelings will get hurt. And I don't understand. And so sadly, people see you walking off a cliff. And now they got to, no, rock, paper, scissors. Okay, you tell them, no, you tell them, you tell them, no, you tell them. Because they know once they speak to you, there's going to be a whole lot of drama. How many of you know people like that? Raise your hand. How many know people like that? How many of you raising your hand? It's you. Uh, only kidding. <laughs> like, no, no, do you know people that you're like, I know they're going the wrong way, but man, if I open my mouth, okay, okay, let me, no, you run it through your mind. How I many, you know people, you got to run it through the, your mind 18 times. How am I going to say it? So that they can just they can digest it because a lot the last time I said something. No, don't no. You really shouldn't be with that guy because he, you know, he, he he's just not right for you. You just you just mad at me because you don't got a guy liking you. And you gotta go through all that. And yet, you know you have to say something because when it blows up, they come back to you. Ah, 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 
<laughs> Why did you tell me? Turn your name and say, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. I told you not to take that job. I knew you told you. I told you not to invest with that person. I told you not to hang out with that person. But they got to go through all this drama. Mm. Do you have relationships that feed your soul? What do you mean? And your soul is your mind, your emotions, and your will. Do you have relationships, community that help you to think? Do you have people who help you with your, the way you feel? You're angry, and they're able to say, come on, man, you shouldn't feel that way. And they're able to talk to you, talk you out of your anger, talk you from pressing send. Do you even have a friend that you can say, look at this, and they can say, nah, bruh. <laughs> but you don't, so you send something, and you reap what you sow. You, you used an AK-47 to kill a fly. Turn your name and say, he's talking about you right now. All sorts of collateral damage. Oh, it's quiet in this church. <laughs> like, you're like, what does it have to do for you getting rest? <laughs> it's about community. It's about community. Because if I have, if, if, if I start to really lean into my community, I realize that some of them will say to me, you need to, get, you need to take a break. Bishop, you need to take a break. But there's so much to do. You need to take a break. But there's so much to do. You are not God. They'll survive without you. Some of you have a God complex. Like you want to save the world. I want to show you this picture. I love this picture. Talk about community. Yes, I love this picture. You see these guys? I know, yeah, they're so tall. Uh, well, I'm training them to be my next armor bearers. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, you you look at them, and yes, they're the they're they're the teenage Bible quiz team, but they're building community. Because they're not always talking about memorizing scriptures. They start talking about other things. And as much as, as crazy as this picture is with, with Kennedy holding up uh, <laughs> Ezra, maybe someday Ezra's not looking that happy. And he has a friend like Kennedy holding him up. Do you have somebody holding you up like this? Well, listen, in prayer. Do you have people in your life who will carry you in prayer when you can't pray for yourself? 
Next picture. Ah. One of the beautiful things about this 25 hours at the men's retreat, I, I, men's summit, I've seen guys talking to each other that don't have time to talk to each other on a Sunday morning. And so I want to encourage you, men, if you're feeling isolated, if you don't know anybody in the church, trust me, come to the men's summit. You'll, you'll learn a lot about the guys, even those who snore at night, and you can pray for their wives. <laughs> but that, again, opportunities to build community. And then finally, this is the one I really touched my heart. Some of you know who they are, some of you don't. This is Kamba. This is the, the, the one on the far left. He's from South Africa. The guy in the middle uh, is Zariel. He is Malaysian, but he lives in New Jersey. Then there's Tracy, who's from Cambridge. And then there's Denver, who is from Maine. And what's interesting is that these guys, particularly the guys, they're like best friends. But the, but the thing is, is that they didn't know each other when they came to school. They all went to Berkeley. They didn't know each other. And through community, actually they met each other really here at PT. And last Sunday was their last, well, at least Zariel and Cumbers last Sunday. And, and, I remember watching them just embrace each other. It, it reminded me of Paul, I think it was the church of Ephesus, I think, where he realized this is the last time I'm going to see you all. And, and you could see the, the, the love, the, the community, the, the you're, you're not just a guy from South Africa, you're, you're, you're my brother. this is the one thing I want to say and then I'll let the Sunday school students go. I had the opportunity to talk to Kamba's mom and Zariel's parents because the Burke graduation was last week. And the look on their face was basically saying, I thank God for Pentecostal Tabernacle because they were the community that made sure that our children didn't lose their salvation. There are, they, there are aunties and uncles and brothers and sisters. And like any other college students, they've gone through some deep experiences, deep hurt. Denver, uh, uh, he's, I think he's 21. His 19-year-old uh, brother Daniel died of cancer. And, and the community was around Denver to encourage him to walk with him through the valley of the shadow of death and to see his grandmother and grandma, grandmother and mother come to Pete himself and say to the community, thank you for being there for my son. 
we have got to be a church of small groups as opposed to a church that does small groups. We have got to be a place where nobody can get out of this place unless they literally have to run a gauntlet to get out of here because there's so many touch points that say, I love you, my brother. I love you, my sister. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.